what we do here is go back, 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 back. This is Dayton. I'm, I'm dating this one back to the the wild first 11 weeks that the Raiders had when a coin was predicting their whole season. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Micah McDonald. With me, as always, is Andy McDonald. We are into Super Bowl week. We got a hell of a matchup. Before we get to all of the stuff that we have got for you guys today, Andrew, how are you? I'm well, as usual. You know, it's a, it's an exciting time of the year, Super Bowl. It sells itself, you know, but it's also sad because this is the last last football that we got and we like football we're actually lovers of football so um yeah it's sad that it's coming to an end but um should be a good matchup should be fun we'll get into all that before we do i really wanted to touch on a little bit of some recent raider um news as far as their coaching staff so we um you know kind of went through with with jake last week um you know kind of around josh mcdaniels and dave ziegler getting brought on as a general manager and head coach. Um, so they made some additions to the coaching staff. So we did break this news, but assistant GM is Champ Kelly. So a big get there, someone that we interviewed for the GM role, we were able to pull him over, um, which is great. Um, just something that can give us added camaraderie within the organization um, and also just a very a highly coveted talent within that. So um, I think it's going to be something that we're going to definitely benefit, especially with Ziegler being you know, as, as experienced he is, he is still relatively young and new to the roles and responsibility a GM has. Um, and then a big hire that we had was Patrick Graham. Um, he was a former D coordinator of the New York Giants, was actually one of, uh, he was a head coaching candidate this year and last year. So someone that was definitely on the rise. And when the Giants ended up making the shift to go with um, Brian Dayball as the head coach, Patrick Graham did end up kind of going in a different direction, which I feel like is a big steal for us. Third one was a QB coach that we added um, was Bo Hardigree. Don't know much about him. I'm going to be completely honest, but he has some familiarity with Josh McDaniels, which is a good thing. He can kind of come in and speak the same language. So good hire there. And then um, special teams, we did lose Rich Basaccia. Um, he was our interim head coach, as everyone knows, but was formerly special teams coach. He ended up moving on, taking a job with the Green Bay Packers, which they absolutely need that help um, uh, if you watch that Packers Niners game in the playoffs um, so we hired uh, Tom McMahon formerly a Bron- you know the Denver Broncos special teams coach brought him over he has some familiarity as noted with um, Josh McDaniels as well so you'll see a lot of those ties um, that we talked about um, McDaniels coming in bringing his own guys and then um, not a new hire but someone that we are I believe it was Monday we interviewed Drew Petzing, who's the Browns tight ends coach. So I believe he was really involved with the more so like the run game coordinator type role. Tight ends coach is kind of, you know, a one off, but, you know, he kind of stretch responsibility as far as as far as it goes with those dependent on offense coordinator, head coach, things like that. So bringing him over, there's some connections to McDaniels, obviously, being the head coach and the play caller. So so yeah, some some new hires. Anything that sticks out to you as far as the recent additions to our coaching staff? Well, um, I kind of in the in the same boat that you are with uh, you know some of these other guys that we the hired. I don't know much about Hardigree, whatnot. 
I am very excited that we brought in Champ Kelly, like we talked about. Someone that who, who was interviewed for our GM job and GM jobs in general coming in to be an assistant GM. We basically got two people, like two GMs. I didn't know much about Patrick Graham until we heard that he was being interviewed and then being hired and whatnot, started to look into things. I feel like over these years, uh, we've heard a lot about like, yeah, the Giants aren't that good, but their defense is actually pretty stingy, though. You know, the defense is actually pretty legit. And they've always had a good defense over the last few years. But saw some things that, you know, showed how well of a coach he is, how, how you know, how good he's been doing and, and the promise that he has. People around the league seem to really like him. There was one thing that I came across that talked about how he was since 2020, I think he's had or 2019, um, like a top three defense and like giving up big plays of 20 yards or more. So that is something that, you know, we really like to see, really like to hear that our defensive coach is good at not giving up big plays because we're usually good at giving up big plays. So I was very excited about that. As far as the offensive coordinator, you know, don't know a whole lot about Drew Petzing, but as you were talking, talking about kind of his roles and, you know, talking about a tight ends coach in general, you think tight ends coach is almost the same as a tight end where it's got to be universal, right? He's got to know all the the routes, the um, you know, the tree and everything like that, but also all the blocking schemes and all the things that the O-line is supposed to do. So I'm actually like not mad at that. Um, you know, I don't know how people feel about him in general, who he is as a coach and all that kind of stuff, but I'm excited about that because we talked about how the offensive coordinator is really just going to be, you know, a second mind, almost like offensive coordinator assistant because Josh McDaniels is going to be calling the plays. So it's hard for me to, uh, you know, touch on a whole lot of these because a lot of names that just popped up that I didn't really like have on the radar. I mean, we talked about a lot of stuff uh, in regards to like potential DC, OC, stuff like that. Names that definitely didn't pop up on my radar. So all in all, I like what they've been doing so far since McDaniels and Ziegler came in, just kind of how they're working things down and how they're kind of coming across things, even though it's names don't really recognize Maybe a lot of you guys out there do, but once you look into them, once you see who they are, the pedigree they have, um, I'm excited. I'm excited for this, you know, coaching group. I think it probably is a good thing that we're not just going with the obvious hires because I feel like we've done that before um, with a lot of different people. It, it feels like every time something prior was ever like leaked that the Raiders were interested in somebody, they just went with that person. But I don't know. It's it's fun watching all these, you know, dominoes fall and excited to see where things go um you know who we end up actually picking for the oc but yeah excited that this is all happening and unfolding because the quicker that happens the quicker we can get on to football so yeah no i and i agree and i i would just tell you that i don't think anyone knows these names for the most part outside of you know someone like a patrick graham that is a d coordinator and it's, it's also tough to measure like you you look at the the assistants and you can't say, well, let's see who they coach for and then determine whether they're good based off that because they, there's always a coordinator above them or a head coach that is determining. So it's like, it's not apples to apples. Right. And it's kind of funny because, you know, when you're like, okay, like here are the needs that we have and everyone's like, Oh, let's get the best offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and special teams coach or whatever. And it's like, well, yes, but like it also needs to work all work together. So, you look at once we did do, or once we did go with McDaniels, then it was like, okay, well, now we know the offensive coordinator role, not like is less important, but it's more important that you bring in someone that is qualified, that actually speaks the same language that can teach similarly, the same type of methodology and disciplines, you know, so 
and then you're like, okay, well now we have McDaniels. So now the D coordinator role is more important pending Gus Bradley goes somewhere else, which he ended up doing. But then also, you know, there is the personnel fit. There is kind of like, they don't need to have ties to the head coach necessarily, but part of the intrigue of McDaniels is who he knows and who he can bring with himself, you know? So that's the ties to Patrick Graham because he was there from, I believe it was, what did it say here? 20 or 2009, all the way until 2015. And that was when he went over to the the Giants and then ended up working his way up to be the defense coordinator for them. So he knows the Belichick system. He knows McDaniels. Um, so there's that familiarity and everyone's kind of coming together and going forth with a similar vision, right? Now, if you just look at the individual, you would say a lot of what you, or you would think a lot of what you just mentioned, which is like, hey, the Giants are terrible, right? Their offense is terrible. They haven't won a lot of games, but the defense is very stingy. And, and what, what does that entail? So I think you look at a lot of, okay, well, how many, how many dudes do they have where it's just like top end guys that are just shutting down? They have some names, but more so high draft picks they might've reached on. But I think you've seen a lot of great development from the um, defensive players, which really attributes to coaching and being able to get them to that point. And then, and then it comes down to scheme and discipline. So that's something that I'm very excited about losing Gus Bradley. Yes. I think it's unfortunate because we saw our defense progress, but let's make no mistake about it. Like we went from a bad defense to an average defense. Okay. It wasn't special by any means. Does that have to do with our personnel? Maybe, but also I think you can't just look at it and say, man, our defense got so much better while we lose Bradley. Well, Bradley's going to have a choice regardless. And he made his choice. Also, he wasn't special. He he just got the most out of what we had, which was great, but there still wasn't that anything extra that made it to where we can't afford to lose him. So we could afford to lose him and we did. Here comes um, Patrick Graham, who is someone that once again, as I mentioned, for some reason, I've been infatuated with him over the last two years and, and someone that Maybe it was because he hit the head coaching carousel and he was similar to like a Flores before he got hired by the Dolphins. Um, Similar background like that where you just, you could tell that his defense, it wasn't just like, because Bradley, he was just like, we run the Seattle scheme. Okay. Now you have to be balanced enough and have depth within that defense to play at the majority of the time. But, but even then, because we couldn't get into different looks, because we couldn't, you know what I'm saying? Like go from man to zone to, from a forefront to a, a three front or, a, you know, six front, bare front, whatever it is, right? It's like, because we weren't versatile, it kind of inhibited us. And now that takes time. It's not one year you're going to be able to have your defense be able to say, depending on down and distance and matchups, we can evolve into this. It just doesn't happen, but I think it can be taught. And that's something that um, as I went down the rabbit hole of his background and kind of what, when he was interviewing things like that, a lot of what he talked about is like, it does. He's, it doesn't matter what you know. He's like the personnel does matter, but what you're scheming against changes week by week because the team that you're scheming against changes week by week, and that's all. I mean, it's not shout out us, but kind of. But like that's what we've been talking about. It's like, hey, we just don't feel like I, we don't ever feel like we can adjust. We, we don't ever feel like we can just adapt. And you see the good teams that are always competitive week in and week out and give themselves the best shot are the ones that say, okay, week one's over, moving on to week two. Now let's just assess the team that we're up against and we'll scheme against them this week, right? It's not this stubborn Gruden offensive system where it's, this is what we do. They got to stop it. Or, Hey, all we do is run the Seattle, the cover three Seattle defense, you know, like, and there's nothing, there's nothing bad about that, but you know that that shows up in certain parts of the games because we can't get out of things because we don't know. All of that being said, his defense allows for a lot of versatility. And if you think about it, 
the, the NFL is no longer, well, that's a four, three defensive end or a three, four defensive end. It's like, everyone's versatile. Okay. Everyone is, are really like the size, as long as the size, speed measurables and everything is like that, these guys can be interchanged. You saw when Crosby was Crosby's like your prototypical four, three D end when he started getting chips and they started putting double teams on him, we just kicked him inside and he can play inside. So it's like, what are we talking about? It's not, there is no two D tackles that are 385 pounds and then 285 pound, you know, D end. That's not how it goes. So same thing with linebackers, same thing with corners, corners got to be able to play outside and inside. So all that being said, I think our personnel will change. Um, I think we will have some um, changes within mostly the secondary um, and maybe some influx within the linebacking core, but, Point is, is it's not, it's not as apples to apples as like, whoa, he runs three four, he runs a four three, and our team is not that. It's like, dude, no, it's not the case. You got to look at your personnel as what you have, and yeah, we want to put them in the best situation, but we're then going to acquire and draft players that are interchangeable or can play inside or out. So I think he's able to coach that, and he's going to put us in a position to defend the offense the best way possible based on what we're seeing, whether it's a heavy run based Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts or heavy pass team, like the Kansas State Chiefs or Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm excited about it, as you can tell, but it's just something that I think will, we're we're starting to get the actual, the right people in play coaching wise that can teach and overcome some deficiencies within the personnel. Like you see with the San Francisco 49ers, they're not talent. They were not the, fifth most talented team in the NFC. Like they have some dudes on offense, but they are taught so well. And the same with the defense. They have some good names, but pound for pound, it's just not the case. So I think what we're going to do, if not if we miss on draft picks, but if we aren't able to get the free agents that we want, or we're sitting at 22 and we can't take this top end talent, which is a draft class that we'll get into that really doesn't have a lot of blue chip players. And if anything, they're going to be within the first five picks then you're going to have to make the most of what you have and develop the talent and personnel that you have. And I think we have finally the right coaching staff that can do that. More will have to be said once they perform, but I'm, I'm very encouraged. And I think it's a good sign for the Raiders. What's funny is that as you were, you were talking about things that reminded me that he had this really great quote when he was being interviewed. I think it was a couple of years back, but he was saying like, you know, people ask me like, do you run a four, three, do you run a three, four? And he's like, yes. (laughs) He's like, yes to all of that, because you may go into certain fronts on certain times, but it changes game by game. You know, personnel is what's important and you just kind of got to adapt. And that was, that was really cool because it wasn't like you said, someone saying, this is what we run. This is what we're going to do. And it's going to stop people. It's like, no, you're going to adapt with the people that you have. The situation you're coming into and the the team that you're playing against so um, I thought that was funny little quote by him so but yeah I'm, I'm excited too because it feels like like you said we got some change that is you know moving towards the future and kind of what the NFL is turning into you know I was excited about Gus Bradley coming in because he was tried and true and his defense has worked over the years right but as you talked about a few different times and throughout the season and whatnot it's like it's kind of, it is what it is. And if it's like, you know, it can be very successful, but there's also times where it's not. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see someone coming in that is going to change things up week in and week out based on what we need to do. So. Yeah. There's going to be a lot more to talk about here for sure. But I think for Raider nation, I think we're pointing the right direction. I think we hit it out of the park with our D coordinator. Um, and I think 
you know, with the right people that McDaniels is familiar with, we can at least teach the the system properly and not have to teach our coaches to then teach our players. And I think there are similarities with McDaniels systems as it was Gruden, just different intricacies and language and things like that. So anyways, let's move on to the Super Bowl. Obviously, Super Bowl Sunday coming up. Um, before we do, Micah, tell the people who this podcast is sponsored by. Absolutely. As always, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get $280 of free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million in top prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resource. Void where prohibited. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee... Call or text TN Redline. That's 1 800 889 9789. In Connecticut, call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877 8 HOPE NY or text HOPE NY. That's 467 369. All right, let's get into it. Um, so, Super Bowl is here. As everyone knows, the Los Angeles Rams are facing the Cincinnati Bengals. Second year in a row, it's at um, one of the team's home stadiums, um, and the Rams happen to be the home team as well. So they are favored by four points, and the over-under is 48 and a half. Um, Before we get into our prediction, let's just do a couple prop bets, okay? Let's just throw it out there. So number one, Micah, let's rapid fire this. This is always a big one for me. I don't know why I care so much about prop bets, but it's fun. Okay. Number one, number two, it's about the national anthem and it's unpredictable. Sometimes solos go long. Sometimes solos don't go very long. So over under national anthem, 95 seconds, which is if you're keeping track at home, one minute and 35 seconds. The floor is yours. So one, I guess it kind of depends, which, you know, you're not giving me all the full information, but that's okay. Um, but it depends on who's singing it. But also, there's two reasons I'm going to take the over on this. One, last game of the year, can't help hold any overs back. Life's too short to bet the overs. Two, I feel like everybody nowadays is like just tries to just like lengthen things out and like hit the longest notes and like get that vibrato going and just really like do it up big for the big game, you know, and just really be extra with a lot of things. I I have no problem hitting the over on national anthem. Uh, Everything in the Super Bowl is longer timeframe wise, halftime, all the commercials, uh, everything in general. So I'm hitting the over on that. 
because life's too short to not do so. Yeah, and I apologize for not giving you the name. I don't even know who this is. I was just joking. <laughs> no, and it's it's okay, but it is uh, Mickey Guyton. She's a country artist singing the national anthem. But I have always been a big proponent um, over the last couple of years. I'm hitting the under. I think that it's going to be crisp. I think it's going to still be strong, but also you just don't want to, I think in this day and age, you don't want to be a meme. You don't want to take the solo for too long. You don't want to rock it too much. So I'm going the under on that one, Mickey Guyton. Let's go. Pretty straightforward here. Coin toss, heads or tails. So for me, I've always been a big proponent of tails never fails, right? But I'm going to have to go with heads on this one. And the reason being dates back to week 11. We were sitting here talking about how a coin has decided the Raiders season perfectly up until that point, right? Mm. My own personal assumption is that if you're flipping a coin to depend win or loss on a game, heads is win, tail is loss. Would be my guess. That would be the assumption, right? Heads landed more times than tails did for that coin flipper who predicted the correct 10 and 7 record, right? Was off on some games specifically, but this is dating. I'm, I'm dating this one back to the the wild first 11 weeks that the Raiders had when a coin was predicting their whole season and uh, Raider Nation Twitter was going wild. So going with heads. That's fine. Tails never fails. That's as far as I got there. You did a lot more research on that, but I respect you for that. That's that's for sure. Great. Let's move into some quarterback props. Matthew Stafford over under. 285 and a half passing yards. I will go first on this. I'm going to take the over. I think that I look at the matchup. The Bengals, have, though, are stingy, more stingy against the run, have been, and their secondary has just been targeted more so. I think that's going to be the way that the Rams end up winning this game there is going to have to be some balance but just as far as match was concerned i think Stafford's going to have to air it out and i think he can and will take the over on 285 and a half let's say you yeah i think i'm gonna take the over as well um he has been balling out lately um the last two games in the playoffs he's gone for over almost over 350 yards 366 against tampa bay 337 against sf um i don't see why he won't have to do that again, trying to keep up with Burrow and, you know, that offense. So wholeheartedly expected to be a, a full-blown shootout, and that's going to be involving 300-plus yards from Matty Staff. All righty. Joe Burrow, moving on to the Bengals quarterback, over under 276 and a half. What do you think, my friend? I went first last time. Now it's you. You know, I'm going to go under on this. Right, I just talked about how it was going to be a shootout, right? Um, but I think out of these two quarterbacks, Joe Burrow is going to be the one that does more with less. Let's say, um, you know, he's not going to, and he's got a little bit better of a running game to lean on as well. Granted, Rams defense, very good defense, but I think he, you know, he's been that guy that can make any throw, get you down the field. We've seen him, you know, be able to push the field and whatnot, but. It also sometimes seems like it takes them a little bit to get going. So however this game pans out, I think that you're going to see Joe Burrow hit that under on 276 or less. So I'm going to call 267. Just flip it, inverse it. Beautiful. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Actually, I was going to take the under as well. I think it's something that he's got the the weapons. They have some dudes in the back end that can match up um, specifically against Jamar Chase and um, Jalen Ramsey. And I think that if there's any weak spot of the Rams defense, it's that running game. So I'm going to take the under on that as well. Which leads us to our last one, Super Bowl MVP. Just a few favorites here. Um, we got Matthew Stafford, who's minus 120. Joe Burrow, plus 200. Cooper Cup, plus 600. Aaron Donald, plus 1,800. Jamar Chase, plus 2,000. And I just threw this one out there. The uh, Bengals kicker, Evan McPherson, he is plus 7,000. So you bet 100 bucks, you win 1,000 bucks. You're 7,000 bucks there. I don't know. He might just knock in five field goals and a game winner like he has in the playoffs. So who you got for the MVP here? Well, I think that barring some insane plays or ridiculous plays by uh, any of the receivers or anybody uh, outside of the signal caller, I think this is a quarterback award, in my opinion. You look at it and, you know, certain receivers, the quarterback has to get them the ball. But my bet for Super Bowl MVP, I'm going to have to go with the chalk number one guy there, and that's Matty Stafford. Is this indicative of where we're going to be at when we uh, you know, get later on into the predictions? Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? But Matt Stafford wins this. Uh, I think, as I've talked about, you know, him and Joe Burrow, it's both their years. They're both the quarterbacks of destiny. I think that Stafford is just going to go out there and ball out more. He's going to have more passing yards, more touchdowns. But I'm going with Stafford. Yeah, and I think just like you put it, I think we're kind of foreshadowing a little bit where we're going here. But I'm going to go with Burrow. I'm going to take my guy. I I just can't bet against him. Um, It is a quarterback award as well. I think if the Bengals end up winning, that's going to end up being the MVP. Jamar Chase can have a big game, but guarantee Burrow throws to someone else and he'll have just as many yards as Jamar Chase because he is the quarterback. So I'm going to take Burrow on that. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, well, this leads us to our last topic here. The Rams are favored by four. I'm currently up a half point on you, not to brag. And you and I have made a gentleman's agreement. We're just going to say, the outright winner of this game and the, whoever selects them is just going to take this competition the championship of our playoff competition that we started after the Raiders lost. I don't mean to bring it up, but that's just when we started it and we needed something to play for. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I buried the lead a little bit going into my MVP, but I'm going to take the Rams. I'm going to take the Rams to not only win, but I'm going to take them to cover as well. I just think that I'm big on the the mojo, right? And yes, the Bengals have a lot of mojo, but the Rams have been this team that if there's one thing that has eluded them this whole time that Sean McVay has been there and they've been good, it's a Super Bowl. You know, they made it, lost to the Patriots. If there's one thing that's always eluded Matt Stafford's career ever since he's been in the league, is a Super Bowl. It's been playoffs, but he's got to that point. It's been a Super Bowl as well. You know, that was the thing that's always talked about cementing his, you know, legacy. I think there's just too much juju there on the on the side of like it's finally their time when it comes to McVay and the Rams and Stafford as opposed to like the Bengals are on this team of destiny like playing with house money out here just like they're here and no one no one really expected them to be. So, um I do think the Rams have a better defense. Um, that can lock down the Bengals a little bit. Like you said, run game might be where the Bengals are able to exploit them. 
and their offense can hang with the best of them. You know, they got just as much talent on the offensive side as Joe Burrow does. Uh, so I think when it comes down to it, it comes down to, to Juju for me. Very evenly matched teams, but it's their time. It's their time out there for Stafford and McVay. <sighs> Wowzers. Um, okay, well, taking the Bengals. I got to take them. I just, I, I genuinely believe they can win this game. I think the Rams are the better team if you just went pound for pound. I just think, you want to talk about Juju? You talk about, they had to play probably one of the toughest teams in the NFL, which was the Raiders, and they barely got by. Then they went and slayed the Dragon, the number one seed, the Titans, and then they slayed the ultimate King Dragon of the Kansas State Chiefs. They went to Tennessee and Arrowhead, took them down. Now they're going to L.A. where there's, it doesn't even matter if it's at that's it's another away game for them because it's at the Rams stadium, but I'm just taking my guys. I'm taking the juju of the, the swag of Joe Burrow, Jamar chase. I mean, come on, man. I think their defense has stepped up, which gives me a little bit more confidence. It's going to be a tough game. Okay. I know that, but as much, much to the chagrin of yourself and Jake, I, I'm riding with the Bengals. I don't care if they beat the Raiders. I just think that I like, they're more likable. And I, they're the team of destiny. I said it from the beginning. Say it again. Team of destiny. Bengals win. Obviously, they cover because they're dogs. But this will be fun as we're going to watch the game together. Um, we'll be able to settle this, settle this bet live in the flesh. So that's where we're going. That's where I'm going, at least. Well, that's fantastic. I'm glad that we have, you know, differing opinions here. And really, it's going to be the, uh, you know, the game of whose juju is uh, stronger. And it's not the Steelers' juju because he's not that good. But that being said, we hope you guys enjoy your Super Bowl weekend. Enjoy spending it with family, with friends. And enjoy just watching, you know, a couple of really good offenses go after it. So, as always, we appreciate the love. Please share, subscribe, rate, review. Give us those five stars on Apple Podcasts. Go check out the website, RaiderTakePodcast.com. It's got all our merch. All the ways you can listen to us, all our social media, one-stop shop. Uh, and then also go watch us on YouTube. Subscribe, hit that notification button, let you know every time that we drop a video, anytime any content comes out on YouTube. So we appreciate the love. We love you guys. And we will see you on the other side of the Super Bowl 56. That's right. Raider Nation, love you guys. Get excited for the new coaching staff, the staff that is assembled. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Just relax. Have a good time. We're going to be transitioning to the offseason. NFL draft coming up. Excited to break that down. Until next time. Peace.